to uh, introduce the one who is bringing the word this morning. The one, that one being my wife, of course. And uh, I could stand up here for another ten minutes. I could stand up here for hours, bragging on this one. Just to, oh, I won't. Please, please don't. <laughs> but I could because of how much she has poured into just me alone. The grace and the mercy, um, the love that she has shown, and uh, she's like that for everybody. You know, her heart goes out towards you, and it's always to see you blessed and lifted up and encouraged. And uh, I just encourage you to receive her this morning and what God has for you through her, so I just want to ask her to come and uh, just receive her as she comes. I don't know about you, but it's been a battle for me getting here this morning. Actually, it started last night. Sleeping through the night. Then getting up to finish this word that God has for you today. It's been kind of crazy. Not so much at home, but my eyes have not been on God <laughs> because I've been focused on everything that's gone wrong this morning. But thank God I have a husband and T and the worship team to help me focus about what's really important. I have you guys because what's really important is what's going to come forth right now. So if you're struggling with distraction like I have, had, am, I want you to come into agreement with me, Father. We come before you this morning. Not of our own works, God, but just a desire for more of you and what you have to speak to us. We just bind the enemy over this time right now in Jesus' name. In this place, in our minds, in our hearts, in our spirits, God. Because he has no place. He has no place there. And he would like to do nothing more than to whisper stupid things. But God, you are, as Jen was saying earlier, the God that we hold on to in the God of truth. And your truth, God, is right in front of us. Your truth is what sustains us. Because the enemy isn't worth paying attention to. He's a liar, and he always will be a liar. So, Father, as we come before you today, we choose to lay everything down. 
And we choose, God, to focus on you and the love that you're going to pour out today. Thank you, Jesus, for your faithfulness. Thank you, Jesus, for your grace. Thank you, Jesus, for your mercy. It's all because of you, God, that we are here. And so we choose to dwell in the sweetness of your presence, God. In Jesus' name. So this morning, God's put it upon my heart to speak to you about the anointing. And the title he's given me for my sermon is called Advancing the Kingdom and the Anointing. Now, it was really super cool that last week Jen was talking about bringing the kingdom. How does the kingdom look through you? And God just wants to take that a little step farther in talking about the presence, talking about the anointing that he's placed in and through you. And so what is, what is meant by the anointing is, as God has revealed it to me, and I'll do my best to articulate this, is that it's the manifest presence of God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, within a person, which is displayed through them externally by the fulfillment of the purpose to which God has called them. In other words, it's God's children stepping out into the assignments given to them by the Father to advance his kingdom here on the earth. The word anointing originates from a a few Greek words, which I probably will butcher. Hey, I'm not Greek, so I'm not responsible. (laughs) One is called alafo, which is a general term for an anointing. By being smeared or rubbed with oil. And shiro, which is used to specifically anoint some one or something and declare that it is sacred unto God. So all of us, I think, has been, have been covered with oil at some points in our lives, whether it's anointing oil or when you were young, your mom used to put Vaseline all over you. Yeah. Or you've gotten peanut butter stuck somewhere that it shouldn't be and it gets all sticky and yuck but that's what it means to have something be smeared on you and the oil of God is a thousand times better but the purpose was to set apart in the Old Testament and even now priests, prophets, kings for the service of God And so to be anointed was meant that you were set apart and you were empowered and you were protected. 
And as I was doing my um, search about the anointing, God brought this fun fact in front of me, and I, I call it a fun fact. It's just interesting to me, but it speaks to me. And I hope it will speak to you. Is that oil was used by shepherds on their sheep who were bothered by lice and insects, which would often kill the sheep if the lice and the insects got into their ears or deeper into their skin. So shepherds poured oil on their sheep to make it them too slippery for the insects and the lice to attach to them. And so they would just fall off. And that just spoke to me of how, you know, Jesus is known as the good shepherd. We are a sheep. (laughs) And so how often when we are dwelling in the anointing, not just physically being anointed with oil, but when we're dwelling in his presence, the oil of his anointed presence, and we're pursuing the truth and going after the good things, that anything that the enemy, the lice or the insects that the enemy tries to put on us can't stay. If we're all anointed, oiled up with his presence, I just had a, a vision of John Travolta with his grease hair. <laughs> this is a bunny trail for a second, but just the greasers of the 1950s where they had the leather jackets and the woo, you know, the greasy hair. There was substance there, and I'm sure it wasn't the easiest stuff to get out. But we don't want to get out of God's anointing. We want to stay. there's a couple things that God wants you to know about the anointing. The first one, you'll be shocked. No, you won't. The anointing is a fact. Talking about truths here, fact and truth. The anointing is a fact. When you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you receive the anointing. The anointing of God is in you and lives inside of you. Last week when when Pastor Fred mentioned after worship about feeling God's presence. That God's presence was in this place. That is a fact. His presence is in this place. But we don't have to feel anything one way or the other to know that it's a fact. We don't have to feel the anointing to know that it is a fact and that the Spirit of God lives in us. It is nice when we do feel it, okay, but there's a measure of faith, a measure of belief, a measure of trust and truth that we need to grab a hold of. So the anointing is fact. The second one is that The anointing was designed for advancement. We serve a God of increase, not a God of lack. In Isaiah 9, 7, there will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace. Even Jesus, when he was on the earth, he increased in the anointing. 
Luke 2.52, and Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and with man. So the anointing isn't just something for now or just something just for Jesus only. It's, it's for us. It wasn't for just days past. It's present and it's alive and it's active and it's in us. So, you know, there's a million other biblical accounts of God God blessing people, increasing their spheres of spheres. Spheres. <laughs> spheres of influence. You know, like Abraham, Joseph, Moses, uh, David. You know, many of us can testify of God's favor and blessing in our lives. And so as it, as it relates to advancement, God was sharing with me about being aware of where your mind set where your mind is set about it. And so you don't increase in anointing if you One, you don't believe it's in you. Two, you don't do anything to increase it, to invest in it, or exercise it. And so, just a short time ago, Pastor Fred was talking about a million dollars. And he didn't know that I had this in my sermon. So imagine if sitting before you, sitting next to me, is a big pile of money. I don't know what a million dollars looks like. But I imagine it to be pretty high. But it's probably not. There's probably, you know, in my mind also, that there's, there's the other extreme that um, there'd be a million-dollar bill and it would just be one. And you'd go to the, bank, go to the store and they're like, ah, oh, we can't change We can't, we don't have change for that. Sometimes at the bank, they sometimes, or not the bank, um, at the store they have problems giving you a change for a $5 bill for crying out loud. <laughs> yeah. So imagine that I give you a million dollars. There is the fact that I just gave you a million dollars. And it's sitting right there in front of you. And all you if all you do is stare at the million dollars, hoping that it will magically do something for you or for somebody else. Is anything going to happen? No. The question remains, what are you going to do with the million? What are you going to do with it? The same is true with the anointing. It is a fact that we have it, and it's worth way more than a million. It's priceless. Now, is the anointing going to work instantly, you know, amazing things through us if we don't do anything with it? Yeah, the power of God can do anything. You know, he can do anything what he wants, how he wants. You know, people have been delivered of stuff. Miracles, signs, wonders, all those kind of things. But often... 
we have to put some energy behind it, some feet to it, as you will. We have to be willing to step out and do something. And so God brought me to the parable of the talents in Matthew 25. Verse 14 through 18. For it is just like a man about to go on a journey who called his slaves and entrusted his possessions to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and another one, each according to his own ability, and he went on his journey. Immediately the one who had received the five talents went and traded with them and gained five more. In the same manner, the one who had received two talents gained two more. But he who received the one talent went away and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. God has given us a great gift. Are you going to choose it to step forward into your destiny, what you were called to do and to be? And invest it. Sometimes investing is easy, I'm assuming, in the financial world. And sometimes it's also heartache (laughs) in the financial world. But success and increase does not happen without movement. And risk. One of Pastor Fred's favorite words to say is, how do you spell faith? And how it's spelled R-I-S-K. So we're going to be like the first two servants and invest what we have and get more. Or we're going to be like the third one who says, "Mm, I'm okay, God. I'm concerned about you, how you feel about me if I screw this up. And he digs a hole and he puts it in the ground. God is bigger than your mistakes. So if he gives you something to do and you step out and do it and you think you've screwed it up, he'll help you fix it. So often we're so focused on screwing things up that we don't take the chance to step out and do. I know I've been guilty of it. I've also been lazy. We all have. We've also had this attitude, or I've also had this attitude, well, God, somebody else will do it. That may be true. But when God says, I want you to do it, you were specifically designed for this purpose. Something to consider. So how did the apostles handle the anointing? Or how did they increase in anointing? They were in the presence of God. I mean, literally, they were empowered by the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, and then they hung out with Jesus. 
They saw the signs. They saw the wonders. They saw the miracles in front of them. They were physically in his presence before he died and after he died. He hung out until the Holy Spirit came and he told them, the Holy Spirit's going to come. Jesus was going to leave, but the Holy Spirit was going to come. So he didn't leave them abandoned. They witnessed the anointing and they experienced the anointing and they took it a step further. You know, Jesus said, and don't quote me which gospel this is, it's probably in all of them, but you will do greater works than me. Who of us can even imagine that we would do greater works than Jesus? When you see the manifestation of the power and the authority that he has, we have access to that. We just have to recognize it. So what do you do? How do you increase your anointing? You go after God. You worship. You read his word. You soak, you soak in music and prayer. You might attend classes or conferences or hang around people who do that. Being here is critical. We need to get rid of the lies in our lives so we can step forward into the truth of what the Holy Spirit has for us. And that's not a formula. I'm, you know, those are just things that God put upon my heart to share. And sometimes we get off the path, you know. Sometimes when I'm in the learning center and I have a student who isn't doing what they should be doing, and they're falling asleep and or um, maybe cheating on something and going to Google and they shouldn't or um, not doing what they should do. I often say, you know what? My job is to say, Evelyn, you're off the path. <laughs> Evelyn, come back to the path. <laughs> That's what Holy Spirit is. We have to be reminded sometimes of we're off the path and Holy Spirit wants to guide us back. And I don't say that out of condemnation, okay? Because I'm not always on the path. I was having a conversation with a friend the other day and she was like, oh, you know, things are so cool, you know, between you and Pastor Fred and I admire your relationship and all that stuff. And how you make a great married couple and stuff. And I looked at her and I said, honey, we ain't been that way forever. I said, it's been 30 years since I've known this man. And a lot of times, I mean, you know, and I'm guilty of it too. You'll see people who are ministering or people who have that success. And they're all on the red carpet and they're at the pinnacle of their career, whatever it is they're doing. But you see... Sometimes just the glory part, <laughs> which isn't bad because, you, you know, the glory part <laughs> uh, gives you hope that what you desire can actually happen. OK, and that's not bad. But a lot of times you don't see what goes behind the scenes. Of turmoil and up and down and do we want to quit? 
And is this worth it? <laughs> Living with protection? Perfection. Perfection. <laughs> Living with perfection. As we groan. <laughs> Which doesn't go the same way through mom. Mom has her own jokes. <laughs> Your mom's might be. <laughs> I'm patient with my jokes. I'm just kind of like one of those I kind of watch and then when you least expect it, it comes. <laughs> That's Alyssa too. Yeah, maybe. So anyway, the anointing was designed for advancement and increase. Thank you, Jesus. So the next thing that God wanted me to share with you is that all of creation is waiting for the sons and daughters to live in the anointing. All of creation. Romans 8, 19 through 22, this is the Passion Translation. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the children of God. For the creation was subjected to fertility, not of its own will, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to decay and will obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning in labor pains until now. All of creation means all of creation. And I know sometimes I get stuck in the mindset of, yeah, God's creation is the trees and the birds and the animals and the cute flowers and the bunnies and the rivers and the streams and all that stuff. But God says, no, it's not just that. It's not just the moon and the stars and the sun and the great things that I've done. But it's my greatest creation. My greatest creation of man and woman. Of human beings who I've made in my image. So all of creation means all of creation. Not just nature. God created us with a spirit, and God is spirit, and we were made in his image. And our spirits are meant to commune with God's spirit. And many people in this world are looking for spiritual things. They're looking for spiritual encounters in all the wrong places. Whether it's these psychics or fortune tellers or astrologers or, or soothsayers and whatever weird thing you want to go after. When the other spiritual encounters don't satisfy the way that only one person can. That's the Papa God. That's the Holy Spirit. That's Jesus. He is the only one that can satisfy all of nature. And it's the anointing within us that cries out for that. Our spirits need to commune with God so much that our spirit man becomes more real 
and being displayed in our lives than our physical man. Our spirit man becomes more real and being displayed in our lives than our physical man when we commune with God. For our spirit man to become more real, we need to be connecting with the spirit, believing and trusting God. We need to go forth and live supernatural lives and take ground for the kingdom because that's what we were born to do. All of creation is crying out for us to take our rightful place in the kingdom that Papa has set aside for each one of us to do. What he just brought into my mind is is the vision of the throne room in the movie The Chronicles of Narnia. When the kings and queens of Narnia, the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe are taking their place. They're taking their rightful place as the kings and queens of that realm. Things are in order. And that's what all of creation is waiting for us to do. Whether or not a person recognizes it, Papa's greatest creation is crying out for those, for us to take our place. And as we step into the kingdom plan that God has for each one of us, those around you can't help but see that you are living a right positioned supernatural life. And it is possible. And when people see that, I believe it's going to spur them on to wanting what you have. Instead of them going to different places where they can feed whatever um, whatever vices that they're looking for. To feed that emptiness within them. It's not the pleasures of this world. But it's in the pleasure of being in the presence of our God. And as people around us seeing, acting, interacting with our loving God and stepping into the power and the authority that he's given us, it creates hope that they can have the same too. And advancing in the kingdom and the hearts and the souls of men, women, and children throughout the earth. That is what the Great Commission is all about. It's about going after mankind in this world, telling them about this Jesus and displaying the love of God to them as it's displayed through you. You know, until I became a Christian, the whole Great Commission thing wasn't anything that was in front of my eyes all the time. And when I first became a Christian, the Great Commission to me to seem like, oh, I have to be a missionary and go to a distant land. And God may have you do that. But our mission field is here right now. It's your family. It's your extended family. It's your neighbors. It's the mailman. It's your baker. It's the guy at the grocery store. Poor girl. 
They had a flashback to Sesame Street, Who Are the People in Your Neighborhood song. Take your pick. The mission field. It's your co-worker. It's your boss, for crying out loud. Who wants to preach about Jesus to their boss? Nobody, but hey, you can. God will give you a way and he will open the door. He will make a miraculous way. You can't even imagine. And again, as Jen was mentioning last week in her sermon about how does the kingdom look through your eyes? How does your assignment look through your eyes and what you're supposed to do? If we don't do what God tells us to do, then we... You know, her car example, we might not hold, not just back, hold ourselves back, but it holds other people back too. And we need to take territory in the land of our influence. And what goes along with that is that we need to live the lives we were meant to live. Not according to anyone else's expectations or unfulfilled dreams. It's kind of like the bride who's planning her wedding and she has an overbearing mom who wants her daughter to live out her unfulfilled wedding dreams. We can't live out our mother's wedding dreams. We need to live out our own. Or a father who insisted his son go into the family business. Or that he choose the career that the father always dreamed of and never had. Even if it goes against everything within the son to do what the father wants him to do. God doesn't want us to go that way either. Your parents and their experiences are unique to them. Not to say we don't love them. Not to say we don't care about them. Not to say that they don't speak into our lives, okay? But we weren't meant to carry their unfulfilled dreams. God has a special and unique plan for you. And as the Reverend Mother says in The Sound of Music... You have to live the life you were born to live. God has given each of us a special gifting and a unique purpose that only we can fulfill. And so the last thing God wanted me to mention about the anointing is that it's critically important to stay connected with Holy Spirit and with the body of Christ to continue to advance in the anointing. A few years ago, um, God revealed something to me about the power of the anointing and how it affects people. And this has happened countless times in our experiences uh, as a family. 
So it would be nothing if we were at a party, whoever's party, and every, you know, it's very crowded and people are enjoying themselves and they're all over the house and the yard and the patio and everybody's doing their thing. And Pastor Fred and I and the kids would walk out, say they're this deck full of people, this patio full of people. They're all enjoying themselves. We would walk out, step, sit down, talk to a few people, and literally everybody would leave. Like, go to another spot in the party realm. And at first I was kind of offended by that, because I was like, what's wrong with us? I mean, we don't stink, we shower today, you know, um, I got the extra heavy deodorant on. You know, do I have something in my teeth? What's the deal? Do I have bad breath? And God says, no. It's the anointing in you. It's the anointing in you. And everything that's contrary to that anointing can't stand in the presence. So the people weren't rejecting us, they were rejecting the anointing. Now, don't get me wrong, I know God uses the anointing for us to speak into people's lives and to love on them and and touch them, okay? But once I came to that revelation, I was like, oh God, well, you've given me this anointing, how do I use it so it doesn't turn people off and that I can speak into stuff? And so once I understood that, he gave me direction of how to pray for future encounters with people. And it's made all the difference. That is something that you can do you know, to speak hope, to speak faith over encounters you're going to have with people. We have to believe that things are going to be good or get better for them to get better. And then we also, believe, we also need to believe that whatever situations we're in, God is smart enough To give us the answers. As children and we're tapped into the anointing, oh yeah, he's going to help you. There have been like countless times over the last two weeks, I've been looking at high school algebra and I'm like, oh God, this is not, you know, just find the missing variable. This is statistics now. And beyond me. But he's given me the grace and the anointing. And I've said, God, I don't know the answer, but you know the solution. You better give it to me now. (laughs) So I can explain it to my kid so he can finish his work. He cares about every detail of your life. You know? Even the stuff that doesn't work. Like you're having a hard time with, and I'm not just talking about math, but you know, like saying like can't get the cap off the pop bottle or something. Or there've been many times I haven't, 
don't know, for some reason couldn't unscrew the the lid to the lawnmower gas tank or something. And I, you know, if Fred wasn't home and nobody else was home, I'm like, okay, well, God, you have to send... Uh, our friend Heather likes to talk about mechanical angels. You know, you can send your mechanical angels to loosen this up so I can get going, <laughs> so I can get the gas in there. And he does. Or he gives me a, a way to figure out how to get the darn thing off. But God's given you a brain. And we don't use it probably as much as we should. <laughs> there are some there are some times when things have to bypass our brain, you don't go directly to our spirits. But there are just sometimes, you know, that it's just like, okay, well, I don't know what you were thinking, but uh, it's amazing. Anyway. So God will give you direction. You got to ask him for it. Of how to uh, pray for future encounters with family and friends and how to use the anointing in a way that is going to mean something to them. Because sometimes we think, oh, well, if I send this person flowers or I send them a get well card or whatever, and, and those things are all good, but sometimes we do stuff out of how it would mean to us. You know, like, I would like that if I was sick. You know, send me flowers, give me a card. You know, but sometimes God asks us to do things that either we haven't done before or we haven't thought about. He'll give you a plan. And sometimes it doesn't have to be anything complicated. Maybe it's just a little text saying, I'm thinking about you today. Or, you know, it's a two-second, you know, when you see somebody on Facebook that's falling apart, saying, you know what, I'm praying for you. Or other family members or whatever, or friends. Or maybe it's just a simple, you're at the grocery store and there's a short lady that can't reach the top shelf. And you have a tall son who can reach it for her. Sometimes it's just the little things in showing the love of God to people that make a big difference. You guys do that for us all the time. We try and tell you when, when we appreciate it, which is all the time, but... Appreciation goes a long way. It does. So God will reveal how to engage others in a way that it'll mean something. Might be just listening. If you're like me, sometimes when someone's telling you something... They're telling you what's going on, and you have the answer by, and they haven't even finished what they're saying. You've already fixed it in your head, or you've made the judgment, oh, well, this will work A, B, and C. And that's not what they want you to do. They just want you to listen. And so it's being in tune with the Holy Spirit, and when he says to zip your lips, do it. Because there's a good thing about the Holy Spirit is um, he knows how to keep you safe and protected. And not make a fool of yourself. 
Sometimes. <laughs> anyway. So not forsaking the gathering of us together, encouraging each other, praying for one another, seeking Holy Spirit on behalf of each other. This is how we grow and mature in the anointing. And together, I mean, getting excited about someone's success. I mean, you know, there's what is on the back of the sweatshirts. When you succeed, we will celebrate. That's just not a fun thing to say. It's truth. We want to celebrate with you. Those of you who are watching at home, we want to celebrate with you. It's fun having birthdays and things and starting new jobs and doing new things and having getting raises and testimony and being healed. Oh my gosh. God loves to be on display. Um, you know, and laughing with each, with each other and breaking bread and having potluck and stuff. Whatever God puts on your heart to do, do it. And trust him that he will equip you. And the anointing in you is real and it's a fact. And I don't have it all figured out. And I don't think there, there's not an end to God. So it's not like, you know, you get this far in the anointing and oh, it, that's it. Uh-uh. <laughs> As a Buzz Lightyear would say, it's to infinity and beyond. God goes on, and we can never get too much of him. So, Father, we're just thankful for your word, for your, for your grace, for your mercy that covers us, God, for the anointing that you've placed within us, Lord. And we place it before you today, God, and we just ask for your revelation and what we're to do with it. What we're to do with this priceless anointing that you've given us. And how, God, you would desire for us to have it to grow and to invest it and for it to increase. Because as your children, God, we are children of increase, just as you are the God of increase. And we want to step into our rightful place that all of creation is crying out for, God. To step into our rightful place that you have for us, Jesus. Because it is in that rightful place that we will thrive. That we will do what you set us apart to do. That signs and wonders and miracles would come forth. And that you would be glorified in it all, God. Because it's for your kingdom. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. That is a promise. And we choose to partner with you, God, in that promise. I just pray, Father, that you would fill each one of us afresh and new with your Holy Spirit. And as we go forth from this place today, may we be forever changed. Amen. In Jesus' name. Amen.